You know, obviously today is New Year's Eve. It's the closing out of one year and we're stepping into a very new cold year tomorrow. And, um, you know, and, and so, you know, but I do want to share some things and I, you know, and I, and I say this because I, I want to challenge you in the 21 days. Uh, to really seek God and to really set some time aside more so than just your normal life. Because, I mean, the Bible is very clear. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is the rewarder. Not me, not the church, not your boss, not anybody. It's that God himself says, I will reward you when you seek me. Now, that doesn't just mean in monetary things, although... Can include that, but it's not necessarily just in that way. I mean, there may be something that you've been hung up on in your own heart, uh, in your own spiritual life that just seems like you're kind of like a rat on a wheel and you've been running the race, feeling like you're going. I'm telling you, if you'll take this 21 days and really focus on the Lord, you'll experience a breakthrough in that area of your life. You know, and the thing is, is that, uh, you know, this is a discipline that I have brought into my life that I've been doing for a number of years now. And outside of salvation, it's the number one discipline, I believe, that has produced the greatest results in my life outside of just regular Bible reading and my salvation. Uh, You know, and so it's not just a a work of the flesh. It's not just something that I'm trying to suffer through, just trying to be spiritual. That's not the point at all. And if that's where you're at, then you got to get your focus right. Because it's not just, well, I'm trying to figure this thing out um, to move forward. But I do want to help you maximize the impact of this time. Uh, for your year. And so, you know, uh, I'll share a quick story with you uh, about, it's a natural thing, but it will relate. You know, a few years ago, I had a Jeep, like a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And so I had some things wrong with it and I had to take it to the shop and had to get it fixed. And, you know, and I knew, you know, like a fuel pump and this and that, I don't remember what all it was. And uh, so, you know, and I knew it was going to cost some money and this and that. And I, you know, I was like, well, my truck will run better. And uh, my my Jeep would run better. And so I take it to the shop and I get the work done and I get it back and, you know, everything ran better and it, you know, everything was doing better and all this stuff. But one of the things that I had never expected to happen was that my gas mileage had gone up like two miles per gallon more because of the repairs, you know. And so I, I went and got something fixed, but I didn't realize the full benefit of the repair. Does that make sense? Well, what happened is, and, and what happens is I believe the exact same thing happens when we fast. I believe there are direct blessings from fasting. But I also believe that there are unthought uh, of blessings that will come as well. In other words, you get more than what you even expected. Even more than what you were believing for. And so, uh, you know, I've shared this many times, but this was not something uh, disciplined in my life that I grew up understanding or even walking in for a number of years. I was convinced that I just absolutely couldn't do it. And uh, so don't look at me and say, well, this is just something you've always done. Now, about six or seven years ago, the Lord began to deal with me just in my own heart. And I began to, I would say it's a desire, but that's not really true because I was resistant to it. The Lord was prompting me to start a fast and to specifically start a 21 day fast at the beginning of the year. Now I'm not saying it's a 21 day full fast. I'm not, you know, I said this earlier, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Uh, you need to pray. And, and it doesn't mean that you do the same thing for 21 days. I've had the Lord tell me to do this for seven days, this for seven days and this for seven days. Um, you know, and so, uh, that's the way the first year, that was what we felt like the Lord told us. And so it was kind of like my intro to fasting, but, uh, for several years I, I fought against it. So I started this, I think it was six or seven years ago. The Lord probably started dealing with me almost nine years ago about it, but it took me two years to get to a place of obedience. 
I know you're never slack or slow getting to those things that God deals with you about, but it took me a little while because I was convinced I cannot do this. Um, you know, and so, but there were several things, and I won't go into all the detail that the Lord really began to use to direct me. And uh, we'll have some resources for you. We're going to email you out some things this week. Uh, there'll be some online, like uh, on the YouVersion Bible app, there's actually a 21 day devotional. Uh, we'll send you out some other resources, some things. We're actually, uh, I'd hope they'd already be here, but they're not in yet. But we have some more books, uh, two books specifically, uh, that, I, that have been a real blessing in my life, helping me to fast, but also to fast successfully. I don't want to just suffer through my fasting. I want to be strong through my fasting. And that's important. And there are some natural things that you can do, um, you know, uh, just that are wise and smart, especially if you're talking about areas of food and those types of things. Don't just go cold turkey because you're going to be miserable. Um, You know, things like that. There are ways to, you know, and then little things that you can do. And some of these books will give you some of those natural uh, things that you can do to help. But uh, one of the main things that the Lord really uh, originally kind of dealt with me and showed me is that it comes out of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus really gives us three things. And they're not if questions, he says when. And uh, so it's when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. And so he said as believers, these aren't conditional. These are things that we should do. Um, you know, it's not a direct commandment, but at the same time, he said, when you do it. So, I mean, should Christians pray? Yes. Should, you, should Christians be generous? Yes. I believe that's God's plan. But should Christians fast? I believe so. Uh, according to what I can see from Scripture. I mean, Jesus fasted and he was perfect. Anybody perfect in the room? I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. And so if Jesus fasted... I think we probably ought to consider it if we really want to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. Now, if that's optional for you, that's fine. But if you want to walk in the fullness of what God has for you, then Jesus set a pattern for us to follow. And he taught here in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5. He's talking specifically about prayer here. But he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm in the Amplified Bible. Oh, well, it's up there. We'll go with that one. Way to go, Brooke. We'll go with that one. Thank you. It says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray publicly, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets so that they may be seen by men. He says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, they've already have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your private room, close the door and pray uh, to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward uh, you. He says in verse 7, when you pray, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. He says, so do not be like them, praying as they do. For your Father knows what you have need of before you even ask Him. So, you don't get an answer from God just because you pray the same thing over and over and over and over and over. Sometimes you probably ought to just change your repetitious prayer just so that you can make sure your faith is activated with it. Uh, And really, Jesus is saying, look, when you do anything or when you seek the Lord, don't make it obvious because that was the the culture of the day. The spiritual elites, if you will, made a big scene of their prayer. They wanted to, you know, spotlight on me, give me the microphone, let me wear all my fancy robes. And they made a big deal about it. And Jesus says, look, it's supposed to be different with you. And Jesus did this. You go and look throughout his life. What did he do? He withdrew and pray. He didn't put his spirituality on display. He said, I'm going to go pray in secret, and yet God showed up in the public arena for for him. Well, I believe the same thing is true with us. When we seek God privately, God shows up publicly for us. 
and we don't have to do anything. God will do it. So it goes on here in verse 16, and he keeps, uh, it's it's along the same lines, but he says, uh, Whenever you are fasting, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they put on a sad and a dismal faith, like actors discoloring their faces with ashes or dirt, so that their fasting may be seen by men. He says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, they already have their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head. So in other words, fix your hair. You can put hairspray or gel or whatever the heck you use. It says put oil. You can put oil in your hair, I suppose. On your head as you normally would to groom your hair. And wash your face. So that your fasting will not be noticed by people. But by, uh, it says, um, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 19 says, do not store for yourselves material treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not uh, break in to steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. Now, many times we use those last couple of verses there concerning giving. But yet in context of what Jesus was saying, he's actually talking about fasting. And he says, look, when what's most important to you, you're going to give yourself to. And he says here, he says, look, don't store up just natural material things here on earth. Why? Because there is something more important, which is eternal, which is our spirit man, our spirit life, that part of us who is most like God. Now, most of you probably know this, but as human beings, we are a three-part being. You have a flesh, a body. That's what you see right now, but you don't see the real me. You see the physical representation of who I am. You have a soul. In other words, you have a mind, a will, and an emotion. You have a, you have a will. I mean, you have desires. I will do this. I won't do that. I mean, I will that I don't like Chinese food. Some of you will that you love Chinese food, right? Well, that's your will. What is That's a desire. There... <laughs> My wife's been trying for a long time. I go because I love her, but that's it. I'm never going there by myself. But there are certain desires that we have. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to eat this. I want to eat that. Whatever it may be, we have those, and you know, and even mentalities, mind, will, and emotions. That's your soul. But you are a spirit. That is the recreated part of you. That's the part when you got saved that became alive unto God. That which was dead has now come alive unto God. That's what happens in that moment of salvation. That is the most real, most eternal part of you. That's the real part. And so here, so you can say this. You can sow to the flesh. You can sow to to your soul. Or you can sow to your spirit man. And whichever one you feed the most is going to be the most dominant. Because you can sow to your flesh, and your flesh can overwhelm your spirit, man, and even your own desires. You're like, well, why do I do that? I don't know why I did this, or I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I acted this way. Because your flesh is the thing that you fed the most. Now, your soul can also be in control, which is your emotions. You can get worked up about something that ain't nothing. But because your emotions are in control, your soul is in control, It can totally nullify anything God wants to do in your spirit. Anything that God does in our life starts in our spirit, man, first. God works from the inside out. Always. Always. That's that's the way God works. 
And so, you know, but the problem is, is that many times we try to go from the outside in. Well, we've got to learn to cooperate with God. And we've got to learn how to sow to the Spirit. Why? Because that's the place that God starts. When we fast, we are sowing to the Spirit. And it's exactly what it says here, is that when we fast, we're storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Real blessings, real benefits that God would bring into our life. Why? Because we're, we're seeking him first. Well, you say, well, how do, I, how do I really have a heart for the kingdom of God? Are you feeding your spirit, man, in that area? Or are you taking care of more your soul or your flesh first? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Amen. So you've got to, and so part of the reason that we fast is to remind our flesh and our soul, you are not in charge. I realize I may want to watch that TV show, but you're not in charge. Because whether we realize it or not, I mean, even like in the area of, of, of entertainment, I'll just call it entertainment. You can call it movies, you can call it TV shows, you can call it music, whatever. Those things feed you. Another way to say it is they have influence. I mean, think about this. Now, I'll just give you an example. You hear the right song at the right moment, and you can go from frustrated and angry to happy and laughing. In a moment. Why? Because that fed your soul. That's all it did. It, it hit a place in you and it fed that, that area that was lacking something. And in that moment, it fed your soul. Now, music's not bad. Some music is bad. Some music is not healthy. There are certain attitudes that we can have based off the music that we may partake in. Well, we're sowing to our flesh. Sowing to our soul many times in those areas. I mean, it's, it's just a fact. And, and so, but if we're not careful, those influences can actually overwhelm our spirit, man, which is the God-like part of us, which is the place that God speaks. God doesn't speak to our mind. He speaks to our spirit. Well, the problem is, is that our spirit, man, has, can become so defeated that we can't hear God speak. See, many times I think people struggle with hearing from God, and it's not because God doesn't speak to them. It's that everything else is so loud that the voice of God gets drowned out. And so that's why I believe it's so important to take time to kind of do away with some things. Push them to the side. It's a temporary hold. It's not saying that I'm never going to do this or I'm never going to do that. I've never had the Lord tell me, don't ever go back to doing A, B, or C, whatever it may be. Anything I've laid aside. He's never said, hey, this is, I don't want this to be a part of your life ever again. I've never had that happen. Not saying that he won't, but to this point, he just said, lay it aside for a season. It's a very short season. And many times I struggle more in my flesh than even my soul because I'm hungry or I want this or I want that, I, you know. And so, um, you know, there's all these things that are going on. But uh, Jesus makes an example here. And he says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast, do it privately. Why? Because what you do privately, God will, re- will reward openly. And so um, here's just a few a little bit of information for you kind of more specifically about what is a fast. Um, and, and so here's how I define a fast. It's a predetermined time frame. That is set apart and dedicated to focusing on the Lord first and foremost. It's a predetermined time. Why 21 days? Daniel fasted for 21 days. That's where it comes from. 
you know, and then there's other times where we can see that, you know, there are certain numbers that are significant. The number three uh, is important in Scripture. The number seven, number 40. I mean, you see certain numbers that just get repeated over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, hey, we could go for 40 days of fasting like Jesus did, but we're not going there. Unless the Lord has really told me. But the Lord has never told me to do a 40-day fast. So I've never done a 40-day fast. And, um, you know, but Jesus did. And, and so, you know, uh, but the biggest thing is that you predetermine it. Let me just give you some uh, helpful wisdom from experience. Don't say, well, I'm just going to start and the Lord's just going to tell me what, I'm, what I need to do from day to day or week to week. Pray now and just set it. Okay, God, like I'll just tell you, because I mentioned it already. The first time, the first year that I ever did this, the Lord told me to do seven days of uh, where we cut out all sweets, salt, uh, all that kind of stuff, caffeine, all the, all the, you know, we ate meals, normal meals, but all the extra. I'm a snacker. I don't eat a lot necessarily at one meal. I just eat all the time. And uh, so I've always got food with me. And um, so all my snacking went away. And then the next week we went to do what, what is more familiar with what's called a Daniel fast, fruits and vegetables. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Bye-bye carbs, you know. And, uh, and then the last week we did a full fast where we literally drank water. And uh, then as, you know, if we had headaches or whatever, we'd drink juice or even chicken broth, like chicken noodle soup. You take the broth and just drink that because it's still got some nutrients. And there's some practical things because you get lightheaded or whatever. Why? Because you've been putting all kinds of toxins in your body and now your body's detoxing, freaking out a little bit. But it's actually super healthy to do it. Uh, you know, there's lots of medical research, which that's not the reason we do it, but... It's a side benefit. And, uh, you know, and so, um, but I do believe that it's important. I always pray and I, I always want to nail it down. Why? Because come day three, your flesh is going to kick in. I'm telling yeah. you. Day three, your flesh will fight. And you may get overwhelmed by your flesh. And you may be like, oh, my flesh ain't in control. Have you ever fasted? Because <laughs> I would have said the same thing. Until my flesh started kicking my rear end saying, you need this, you're going to die. And, you know, your mind starts saying crazy stuff to you. And it's really not. And you have to say, hey, shut up. I'm in control. My spirit man is in control in this moment. I'm not uh, being dominated by my flesh. And so, but if you know ahead of time, I believe this is what the Lord has asked me to do. I mean, it could be as simple as not watching TV and don't get on the Internet. You're like, oh, that's not a big deal. Until you do it and you realize how much time you've invested into nothing. I mean, you know, we don't realize how much time we just spend on Facebook. Just, I've been scrolling for an hour. I ain't seen anything of actual value. But it's just mindless. I mean, we don't realize how much time that we lose. You know, I mean, and it happens. It's just day to day. Checking email, doing this or that. You don't realize how much of a draw that we have to just technology in general. I love what, one of the things I've heard Jimmy Evans say. He says that technology is a, um, he said it's a, it's a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. Technology is great when it's used right. But it's also a terrible master. I used to tell my teenagers, because I actually challenged teenagers to do this. So uh, back when... You know, after I had started and a couple of years in, I started challenging my teenagers. And I used to tell them, like, just put your cell phone on the counter and let it go off and see how much of a draw it has to you. Because that tells you how much you need the approval and connection to somebody else. It's not just about it, there's, a, there's a need that that's feeling and feeding. 
I mean, you ever had like the phantom, like where your phone's not in your pocket and you swear it vibrated? You're like, oh. I mean, we don't realize how much it affects us. And yet, you know, I'm not saying turn off your cell phone. I mean, that's not what I'm telling you to do. But what I am saying, though, is that, like, when you hit pause, you realize how much it really affects you. You know, one of the things for me, because I'm a salt person. I'm not a big sweet person. I say it this way. I eat my salt and I drink my sugar and because that's true. Um, but I love salt. Well, one of the things that happens through a 21-day fast, because I really try to um, limit as much salt as I possibly can, is that I realize at the end, when I go back to start eating food again, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so salty. Why? Because my appetite, my, my, I mean, from a medical standpoint, my taste buds have actually rested and have reset. And so where they went from a place of being fairly numb, now all the toxins have actually come out of my tongue, which is really gross, quite honestly, because you get this big, thick coat on it. But then you realize... Like even seasonings and spices. and So you can actually taste more. You taste better. Like when you eat and drink things. So even just from a natural standpoint. Salt's not a great thing. I think it is. But it's not necessarily a great thing for me to put into my body at the levels that I do at times. Why? Because it can cause heart problems. It causes high blood pressure. It causes lots of it. Well, just through the, the, just through the discipline of fasting... It can actually keep me balanced. Why? Because it, it'll tell me, you're taking in too much salt. Because it's like, oh, man, that's too, that's too much. So then I start putting less salt. So even in, in just a natural sense, I think there's some really smart uh, things. And so you always want to set ahead of time, though. That's why I said all that to say that. Because why? Because your body's going to begin to fight. Your flesh is going to fight. Your mind, your soul is going to begin to talk to you. And if you can come back and say, nope, I believe the Lord told me this was what I was supposed to do. And Dad Gummin, I'm going to do it. It is a fight, and it ought to be a fight to a degree. I mean, it, let me say it this way. If it ain't a fight, you're not really trying. You set the bar really low, and that may be fine if you've never done it, but it ought to be something that, that is challenging to you to where it's going to force you to say, Holy Spirit, I cannot do this without your help. Like it ought to force you to really press in and say, okay, God, I need you in this moment. I need you to help me to press through this. And so I've already mentioned a couple of these, but um, there are types of fast throughout Scripture. Now, here's my encouragement. Start where you are. Don't be crazy and just, wow, go for broke. You're going to go for broke, all right. You've got to be real with, with yourself and where you're at. That's why I encourage you to pray and ask the Lord. It should be challenging, but not impossible. It may seem impossible, but it shouldn't just be something so far out there that there's just no way. Um, but it should always obviously um, cause you to rely upon the Holy Spirit more. And it should always cause you to deny your flesh. Those are two important aspects. So uh, types of fast. I have four of them uh, specifically. Number one is a specific food or activity fast. These, now the activities I've already touched on a little bit could be a time consumer or just distractions. Um, you know, things like that. But it could be a specific food. You can do a Daniel fast. Um, there's lots of medical research behind it that actually says it's really good. It's basically fruits, vegetables, and grains. So you can eat nuts and all kinds of, I mean, it's pretty broad. Uh, I worked for a pastor one time who mandated a fast, which is why I don't mandate it, because I think that's a just absurd thought. And uh, But being a, a studier of God's Word, 
We were doing a Daniel fast, and I was being told I had to do it. So, well, I'm going to go find out what the heck Daniel said. And um, so it was uh, fruits and vegetables and this and that, but it was also anything that come from a vine. Well, that particular pastor loved watermelon and didn't realize that that was included in the list. And so I went and I told him. I said, hey, did you realize that watermelon is actually included in the Daniel fast? Grabbed the keys, immediately went to the store and bought some watermelon. It's like, praise the Lord. And uh, so, but, uh, so it's fruits, veggies, and whole grains. Uh, that comes out of Daniel 1. Um, would be another one would be the Daniel fast. And so, uh, but they could be a specific food. Maybe it's sweets. Maybe it's saying, hey, all my little snacks like I do, um, you know, maybe that's what I need to set aside where I just eat my normal meals. Uh, you know, and so you can do that. Another one is a juice fast, uh, which is you can blend up everything and you just drink it. Uh, never done a juice fast. I hope the Lord never tells me to. But never done, but some people love them. Uh, and they say it's great. Uh, but then the last one, which this is pretty much the most extreme or more extreme, I should say. It's not the most. Uh, is a water fast, which is literally where you drink water and you don't eat anything. Um, you know, and it's possible, I promise. Uh, but, uh, but again, I'm just giving you information. I'm not here to tell you what to do. But do use wisdom. If you're on medication, you need to check with your doctor. Do the natural things. Don't be foolish. Um, you know, because you know, I say all that just because I don't want you hurting yourself. Um, but obviously, if you're on medication, you need to talk to a doctor first before you do anything crazy with your uh, diet because it will greatly affect you. Um, so um, anyhow, so those are four specific things. And so um, I believe that fasting is a discipline that breaks us out of our routine. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important is it breaks us out of our routine, but it prepares the way for God to give us fresh revelation, vision, and a clear purpose. Uh, we hear God more accurately uh, when we really focus and spend some time doing these things. And so fasting is simply a short-term season that will produce long-term effects. It's a short-term season that will produce long-term effects. I love this definition of a fast. It's probably my favorite one. Is that it's a redirecting of our appetite heavenward. It's not, change, it's not saying that I have no appetite. No, I'm just looking in a different place. Uh, Jesus actually said this in John chapter 4, which is the verse that the Lord used originally uh, to really stir in me. I believe it's verse 34, where Jesus says, I have food that you know not of. He told his disciples that when they brought him lunch. And they were, you know, won't go into all the details, but he, and that verse messed with me to no end. And I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And, um, you know, but that ultimately is what led me to kind of coming around to fasting. And I was like, oh, because he was talking about an app, about having an appetite and really being sustained by God. Uh, another definition, definition of fast would be to slow down or to detox. It's a drawing close to God. I've already kind of said this, but it keeps our spirit man uh, in the driver's seat. The other side of that is that it allows you to detox. You know, when somebody goes into rehab, the first thing they do is they stick them in a room to get sober. No drugs, no alcohol, they're going to bring them food. It's not the most beautiful thing in the world, but they realize that they can't help them until they're clean, until they're sober. So the first thing they have to do is to get them through detox, which is terrible. But if they have any shot of that person staying sober moving forward, that they have to go through the process. Well, fasting detoxes us um, from any addictive substance in our body and from dependence or even addiction on such things. Now, there are obviously addictions and things that we face. Different people face them in different ways. But if you want to neutralize them in your life, you're going to have to detox from them. 
Now, that's a hard line to take, but it's true. It works in many arenas, and yet even in our spiritual life, it's true. We have to be willing to, to step away from things. And, and there may be things in your life that you think, well, I'm not addicted to them. And put them aside. If you can't, it, it might have more of a grip than you realize. Um, you know, and, and it's just, I'm not here to throw stones. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm telling you from experience in my own life, there were things that I thought weren't a big deal until I tried to put them aside, and then they started talking to me. And I realized, man, this has a lot of, of weight in my life. And so God is more interested in the why that we fast than what we are fasting. Why matters more than what? That's why I ask you to pray about it and ask the Lord. I love this quote from Lisa Bevere. She says, a diet changes the way you look, but a fast changes the way you see. Now, your fast might change the way you look. You might lose some weight. You might sleep better. Darren loves it because I snore less, like, praise the Lord, you know. And uh, so she sleeps better when I fast. And so, you know, I mean, there's things like that. Um, and, but that's not the reason why we do it. I want to see things clearly from a spiritual perspective. Well, that means I have to put my spirit man in charge more so and making sure of because whether we realize it or not, you know, there's an example of this is that it says if you take a frog and you put him in a bowl in hot water, he's going to jump out. If you take the same frog and put him in water and turn the heat on underneath him, he will, you'll, you'll be eating frog legs shortly because he ain't jumping out. Why? Because it, the temperature slowly rose and him not realizing his environment was changing ultimately killed him. That's another reason why we fast because our environment slowly changes around us, but it changes so slowly that we don't realize what's happening. And so where we may have started off this last year in victory in a good place, by the end of the year, we're experiencing defeat in some areas. We're experiencing where the devil has gotten a grip in our life, and we're not even aware of it because he's crafty and he's subtle. We fast at the beginning of the year to put a hard stop and say, okay, we're going to reset. We're going to neutralize what he's doing in our life. And so, um, you know, but there there are some things. Now, um, let me see. Trying to figure out what all I have time to get to today. I'm going to have to pick and choose a few things. Well, let me read you a couple of verses. You know, the quote from her was that uh, a diet changes the way you look, but a fast changes the way you see. In uh, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Isaiah 43, verse 19 and 20. This is God speaking to the children of Israel. And he says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I want you to think about that for a moment. God speaking to his children says, I'm already working. Can't you see it? Which the obvious answer to this question is, is no, they couldn't. So don't, and I believe that we all have to be careful in this. We can't fool ourselves to say, if God was working, I would know it. Maybe not. Jesus said, or the Lord said, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? The Amplified Bible, I believe, adds. It says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. It says, I will create rivers in the dry wastelands 
goes on in verse 20. It says, The wild animals in the field will thank me, and the jackals and the owls too. It says, For giving them water in the desert. It says, Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland, so my chosen people can be refreshed. Now, what God is talking about, you may be in a place where you feel like it's a wasteland. It's barren. God is nowhere to be found. And yet God is saying, I'm doing something new, but because you can't see it, because you can't perceive it, guess what? Because you can't, you also can't be refreshed. See, God wants you to see something new, see something different. Why? Because you may be in a new season and a new time that you've not been in, but before you step into that season, he needs to strengthen you and and to refresh you first. But you've got to see what God is doing to experience the blessing from what God is doing. Blindness and ignorance is not an excuse with God. He is saying, look, I will provide for you if you pay attention. If you're looking, if you're listening, if you're, if you're looking at what I'm doing. John chapter 1, verse 10 says this about Jesus. It says that he came into the very world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. It says he came, Jesus came to his own people, and even they rejected him. It says, but to those who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Did Jesus come to save the world? Yes. Did he not die for all sinners? Yes, but not everybody believed. Some of them didn't even recognize him. I mean, even to the point where they're like, we know him. There's no way he's the Messiah. We know his family. We know where he's from. He made my kitchen table. Like, no, he's from Bethlehem. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. They couldn't even perceive. They couldn't even comprehend what God was doing. And so because they couldn't perceive or comprehend it, they lost out on the blessing that would have come if they could have seen Their limited vision cost them the blessing. Some people saw him, but they rejected him. But it says, to those who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They received the blessing. Why? Because they could perceive what God was doing. When we can't see what God is doing, we lose out on the blessings of God. See, we need fresh spiritual vision to perceive and to see what God is doing. And we need clear ears to hear when he speaks. We need fresh eyes. Fasting gives you fresh vision, fresh insight, fresh understanding. It creates a heightened awareness of God. Fasting is not a requirement, but it is a choice. We have to choose these things. But if you just fast by itself, you're limiting the ability of it to be powerful in your life. It'll still be a blessing, still be a benefit. But if all you do is go without some stuff... God will bless that. But I believe it will be even more powerful if you couple it with prayer and fasting. See, we pray all the time. Jesus made a statement to the disciples. I won't get into the context of it, but it was specifically concerning a a demonized boy. And they asked, they said, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast out this devil? And he said, oh, this particular type can only be dealt with through prayer and fasting. There are some things, as I was saying at the beginning, even was what we were worshiping with earlier, there are some mountains that will not be moved simply through prayer. There are some strongholds that will not be dealt with simply through just praying and asking God to work, asking God to work. It's when we couple prayer with fasting that now it, we amplify it, if you will, and it becomes even more powerful so that God has the ability to work even more. And so prayer combined with fasting will cause a greater awareness and sensitivity of God. Yes, 
His presence, but also His working in our lives. There's power when we pray. I used to say this all the time, but I don't say it as much anymore, but I used to. It comes out of James chapter 5, but when I pray, things happen. I just confessed it. When I pray, things happen. The Bible says when a righteous person prays, it avails much, makes much power available, it's dynamic in its working. I'm a righteous person because Jesus made me righteous, therefore my prayers are powerful. When I pray, things happen. I say it all the time. Why? Because it thoroughly convinced me that when I pray, things happen. I didn't convince myself of it. I, I became convinced of what the Word of God said. Well, when we pray, things can happen. But there's a power added when we pray, and there's a power in the combination of prayer and fasting. We welcome God into our life by making room, making space. Me and Dare are getting ready to make space for a new little baby girl. We're not just going to bring her home and be like, well, where should we put her? Hmm. I don't know. We didn't think about this. I mean, Dara's talking paint colors and moving furniture and doing this and doing that. Why? Because she's making space for a blessing. When we fast, we're making space for a blessing. We're making space for God to move in. We're, we're making space for God to work. So anytime that, that we're in a, in a spot, you know, especially with what we've been sharing about this morning... You may be facing some challenges. There may be some, some hurdles in your way. But your answer starts in the spirit realm first. Not last. Prayer is not the last resort. It should be the first. I don't know if you remember this. But in January of this year. That was one of the, the phrases I kept saying for a month. Is pray first. Pray first. Pray first. Pray first. Pray first. I almost got bands made with it written on there. Yeah. To remind you. Pray first. Because that ought to be our first. It ought to be our default. Not our last resort. Prayer ought to be the first Thing that we do. So anytime that there's a true spiritual awakening, awakening with God, it always comes from a place of fresh surrender. Well, fasting will make you surrender. Trust me. In a good way. It will, it will cause you to reach the end of yourself and say, okay, God, I need you. Like, I need you more than I've ever needed you in this moment. And there's tremendous blessings that come from it. So we simply by fasting, we lay things aside. We're creating space for God to fill. Here's the thing is that Jesus is a filler. He will fill, but he will not force. Many times we want God just to come in and just do what he wants to do. He's not going to. He's just not going to. It's not in his nature. He'll say, here's the blessing if you choose it. I mean, Joshua said that to the children of Israel. I set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. I would prefer that you would choose life. But the choice is up to you. You choose. A couple of verses along this line. John chapter 7 verse 37. Jesus stands up on the climax of the festival and shouts and says, Anyone who is thirsty can come to me. Anyone who believes in me can come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow from within his heart. We're not the source of that river. Jesus is. He said, I'm the river of life. If you're thirsty, come and get a drink. And that river will flow out of you. John chapter 4, verse 10. This is the account of the woman at the well. 
Jesus asked the lady for a cup of water and they have this whole long dialogue, but he tells her in verse 10, he says, um, if you knew about God's gift of eternal life and who it was or, and who it is who says, give me a drink, you would have asked him instead and he would have given you living water. He says, lady, I'm not talking about just a, a Jacob's well. I'm not debating about worship. I'm talking about life, like real, true life. Verse 13 and 14 of this same chapter, Jesus again continues. And he says, everyone who drinks this water of the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become a spring of water, satisfying his thirst for God and welling up, continually flowing, bubbling up within him to eternal life. You can't overflow if you're not filled. Yet we're called to be vessels of the presence of God. Well, we have to fill that vessel up before we can overflow to everybody else. And, you know, and Jesus says here, and I believe it gives us such a perfect picture. He says, the water I give, they will never be thirsty again. But the water I give will become a spring in him that will well up. So Jesus said, I'm going to start it. But it will fill to the point of overflow. Ephesians 5.18 says this. Uh, it says, don't be drunk with wine. So, but it gives us the instruction. It says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by Him. That's how the Amplified adds it. Be constantly guided by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Well, how do you do that? You've got to make exactly what we looked at there in Matthew earlier. Seek first. You, you, you look at the kingdom of God through a time of prayer and through a time of seeking the Lord, through fasting, laying other things aside. You can be filled with the Spirit. I think I've used this quote every year, and I'm going to keep saying it every year because it's just true, is that this can be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. This can be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. Why? Because it's that starting place. It's that, that foundational point where God says, man, I can work and I can bless. And there may be something that maybe nine months from now that God's going to work. And, and, and you just step right into it. It's like, man, I didn't even see that mountain. I just walked right over it. No, you walked over it in January. You just didn't see it in January. You didn't know about it yet. And yet you walked right over the top of it and had no idea. Why? Because you had already paved the way through seeking God early in the year. And God says, okay, now I can work this thing out. Why? Because God sees long term. He sees ahead. He doesn't live in the moment and the here and the now. God says, hey, there's a trial coming in four months. But because of what you're doing now, I can already go ahead and make provision. You won't even know that there was ever a trial. And you're going to walk right through it. Having never known that there was actually a trial waiting for you there. That's what happens when we fast. When we see God, I believe that it really makes way for God to do more for us. And I don't know that we'll ever fully know. The impact of what even our time seeking the Lord will do this side of heaven. I think when we get to heaven, we'll be blown away. When we see where God's like, oh, well, you didn't even know about this and you didn't see that. And you didn't see this and I protected you here and I moved this out of the way and I gave you favor here. And I worked all this out simply because you sought me. Hebrews eleven six, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we seek God first, he is a rewarder. It's a promise not trying to manipulate God he said it not us but if he said it he'll bring it about so I just want to walk in the truth of what he said 
and then also get to experience all the blessings. You'll get to experience the blessings that come from that as well. And so even as, uh, you know, in these next uh, number of weeks, you know, I mean, we'll, I've, you can start and do however you want. I don't care. Pray about it. You ain't got to do 21 days. The Lord may say, hey, I want you to do seven days of this or whatever it may be. Just pray about it. But take 21 days and seek the Lord at a different level than your normal. For sure, at the, at the minimal, do that. And, uh, you know, and I believe that God will bless you. I believe you'll see a difference in your year. I, see, I believe you'll see a difference in your own heart. If nothing else, there, it'll bring a freshness and a renewal to your heart and to your walk with the Lord and your relationship with Him. And it'll be a great blessing to you. Amen.